Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And we, we get excited about that part and I think we know that part. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or even think. But oftentimes we forget that second line that says, According to his power that's at work, in us. That means he's working through me. That means I'm working, but it's his power that's working in me. So it's not that I just sit on the sideline and watch God do it all. He has put power in me to work through me. All right, we said amen. Let me read this parable real quick. Luke 14, verse 15. I'm starting, it says, when one of those at the table heard Jesus say this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replies with a story, a parable. He says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married. I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads, the country lanes, and make them come in so that my house will be full. God wants his house to be full. Verse 24, I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet when they, when they decline. But I want to take my title here from that verse 23. God wants his house to be full. Turn to somebody, bless them. God bless you for being in the house. You can be seated. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. People are invited. The master says, go and get people. Naturally, there's many excuses. Folks got laundry to do. Just bought property. Just got married. Just bought some oxen. Can't make it. So the master said, go get other folks. There's still room. Go find somebody else. And the master is saying, it's his job to prepare the table, but it's our job to get people there because he wants a full house. So as we prepare for Passion Week, next Sunday is going to be Palm Sunday. We talked about Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. What if it was on our mind? this duty that the master has given us? What if it was on our mind to think over these next two weeks, who's hungry? Who am I connected to? 
Who needs what I have at the master's table? Because I believe there's people in our life that want to have what the master has prepared at his table. I'm going to say that one more time because I want to know somebody's with me. I believe there's people in our world, in our workplaces, in our family, in our sphere of friends and influence that what I've had at the table, they would like to have in their life as well. When you read this passage, you begin to understand that Jesus did not just come to bless. He did not just come to heal from disease or to provide for their temporary needs. But you have to notice in the scripture that once Jesus healed them, he then wanted to commission them. After he blessed them, he wanted them to know you were blessed to be a blessing. After he, he called them and equipped them, he then sent them out to be fishers of men and said, what I've taught you, I want you to go teach others. What I've equipped you with, I want you to equip others. So it wasn't just that he wanted them to be blessed and happy and healthy so that they could sit back and be comfortable. But he said, actually, I healed you to go find other people that need healed. He, he said, I saved you so that you'd find other people to be saved. I fed you to go find other people that are hungry. I gave you water so you'd go find other people that are thirsty. And you'll see real quick that he didn't just heal them so that they sit back and be hung, uh, healed or feed them so they sit back and be full. But he commissioned them and called them to fill his house and to bring more people to the table. And I think that you understand real quickly from this parable that not only is Jesus interested in multiplication, but he's also telling them there's a deadline. He says there's an urgency to bring people. He said this invitation, he, he, uh, that last verse we read, he's saying there's going to be a time where this invitation is closed and they won't get a taste of the banquet. What you begin to understand is there's only so much time that we have to bring people before the invitation is over and the banquet begins. And I think that's hard for us to grasp because you say, look, we're reading from a book that's a couple thousand years old. Uh, this is a couple thousand year old story that Jesus told. And I think that we live in the now. We live in the here. We live in the momentary. And then when we think about eternity, it's kind of hard to grasp that. But what this parable is wanting us to know is there's a moment when the invitation is over, the banquet begins, and that door is shut. Or in other words, there's a moment when the now ends, and eternity begins, and that invitation is over. And everybody here, no matter how young or no matter how old, there is a moment when that door will shut for us. And in Noah's day, the rain began to come. And God shut that door on Noah's ark. And everybody was wishing they had took Noah's invitation and jumped on to that boat. 
And I think all of us, we, we, we live in the now. That's, that's where we're created to live in the now. And we hope that there's many more, uh, much more time in this invitation for us, that, that it's way far off, that we won't become sick, that there'll never be a crisis, that there'll never be a tragedy, that there'll never be a diagnosis. And we tell ourselves that we have plenty of time. And so it's easy to put things off. It's easy to procrastinate. It's easy to tell now, you know, I just bought property or I just bought oxen or I've got a wedding to go to. And, and, and I'll, I'll focus on the things of God at a later date. But Jesus is telling us in this parable, I'm interested in you leaving the table and bringing other folks back to the table. But there's also a deadline on this invitation. And he used that parable to drive this home, saying there's an urgency. Don't spend all your time on the temporary things of buying property and going to weddings. But you've got to realize, once you get filled up at this table, your job is to go out and tell other folks, hey, I found the source. I found the living water. I found the living bread. And if you'll eat of this bread, if you'll drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. Jesus is trying to establish a calling in our life that it's not just about me being fed. It's about me going out and finding other people that are hungry and bringing them to the master's table. And I just tell you, there's people in your life that don't know what you know. Let me say it one more time. There's people in your life that don't know what you know. They don't have what you have. They haven't experienced what you've experienced. There's people in your life that you ought to tell even though they don't act like you act. Even though they don't look like you look. Even though they don't live like you live. If they knew what you knew, they would come to the table that blessed you too. They would drink the water that you drank too. They would eat from the table that you ate too. But sometimes they just don't know about the master's table. You've got to invite them. You've got to compel them. And Jesus is very serious about us going out and fishing for those that are hungry. He said, you've been fishing for fish. I want to make you fishers of men. Because what he was telling them is, what you've received, go out and tell somebody else about it. There's something in me that ought to rise up and say, I've been so blessed. I can't not tell somebody else about the blessing that I have. I've been changed. I've been healed. I've been saved. And I just got to tell somebody else what Jesus did for me. I want to fill the master's table. How many said amen? So Jesus, he tells this story, uh, that, and, and, and it's, it's one of those people that are kind of real spiritual, I think, uh, that hear him talking about this. And, and he says, yes, yes, master, won't it be wonderful uh, when we sit at that table in heaven? Won't, won't it be blessed? Won't we be blessed when we're at that wonderful table in, in heaven? And Jesus says, yeah, let, let's talk about that for a minute because, yeah, there is going to be a, a, a feast in heaven and, yes, there is going to be blessing in heaven. But he says, I want to talk about the right here and now. I, I, I want to get people ready for that banquet, but I also want them to come to the master's table and receive what's at the table right now because right now there's 
favor, there's blessing, there's grace, there's mercy, there's salvation, there's love, there's peace, there's joy, and there's healing available at the table right now. I'm looking forward to heaven, gates of pearl, streets of gold, the light of that city is the Lamb of God. But I want to tell somebody, He can change your life today, right now. You don't have to leave the same way you came in because all these things are available at that table. And so Jesus says, let's talk about that for a minute. He tells about the master who was preparing a great banquet dinner. And, and he says, go invite many. Go invite many is what he said. And he tells them there's going to be a, a supper time. And he says, go tell them because things are almost ready. The master's saying, I, I, I've been preparing. I've been readying the table. I've been setting up the room. All things are ready. And it was the master's job to prepare the table, but it was the servant's job to go bring people and tell people that the master's table was ready. And I, I just want to get inside of God's people today a passion that other people can experience what we've experienced other people can feel what we feel. Other people can walk in, take in, and live in what we're walking in, taking in, and leaving in. And so we ought to go and tell people that time is running out. And there's a table that is ready for you. And so, so the servants went out and they told all the people who were invited. They, they said, come, all things are ready. And as soon as the things are ready, the Bible said, that their people that they were going to kept saying, uh, well, I'm preoccupied. Well, I, I've got excuses. Well, I, I'm distracted. Uh, I, I'm, I, all of them were motivated by the same spirit. It was, it was different distractions, but it was the same thing in their life. And all of them, one by one, began to excuse themselves from the master's table. One of them said, you know, I've just bought property and, and I, I've got to tend to it. Another one said, I, I just bought some oxen and, and I've got to tend to it. Somebody said, you know, I'm just getting married and, and we've got life to begin and things to do. And all of them had reasons. And I tell you, it, all of us can have reasons to, to set these things aside. But Jesus wants us to focus on what's most important. I, I, I think there's an opportunity for us to bring people to the master's table because people are distracted. People are looking at other things. Uh, I, I've seen statistics that say really right now, after what we went through in the year of COVID, that church attendance is at the lowest it's ever been in our country today. And it's time. It's time for God's people to get excited again and passionate again and say, God's done so much for me. I can't tell you everything he's done, but if you'll just taste and see what I've tasted and seen, you'll taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and if you'll just get a taste, I won't have to tell you any longer, but let me bring you to the buffet table that the master is prepared. I'm not the cook. I'm not the chef. 
I can't give you salvation. I can't give you healing. I can't give you love. I can't give you joy that he can give. But I can tell you where to get it. And it's at the master's table. It's in God's house. Would you come to God's house? Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. I know where it is. I know where it is. And so somebody, I got laundry to do. I, I've told this story one time. These folks aren't in our church. I don't know where they are, but God bless them. I love them. This is one, and maybe some of y'all heard me tell this before. I remember checking on one family one time. Young family, sweet couple. They had kids. I said, hey, I just wanted to check on you a Sunday night. I just wanted to check on you. I hadn't seen you for a couple weeks. Love y'all. Missed you when you're not there. I love to tell people that they're missed when they're not there because truly they are. We're the body of Christ and Somebody, if the knee isn't here, we kind of limped along. Like I had to peg leg it today. Like there was no knee. I just was, you know. Hey, you were missed. You know, I just wanted to check on you. And they said, yeah, you know, we had laundry. And it was, we were waiting on the washer to end before we put it in the dryer. And, and, and by the time the, the wash cycle ended and I got it into the dryer, you know, we was just going to be late for church. And I said, well, you know, it probably wouldn't have hurt the laundry too bad, you know, just, just to keep those suds and water in there a little bit longer. And, and I laugh, and God bless them. I love them. I, I, I don't know where they're at today, and I hope they're in the house of God somewhere. But, but it, that's how we are. Jesus told a story, so we would look in the mirror and say, sometimes I'm putting laundry ahead of eternal things. Sometimes I'm cutting grass when it had been better for me to be in God's house at God's table. And each one of them had an excuse. And so the master started getting frustrated and he said, this dinner's not going to be wasted. I didn't go to Calvary and get whipped and get a crown of thorns on my head and get nails piercing my, my hands and my feet. And a spear through my side to waste this forgiveness, to waste this grace. Paul said, God forbid we would continue in sin so that grace may abound. And the master's saying, I prepared a table of mercy. I prepared a table of salvation. I prepared a table of grace. And, 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 I, and I don't know who you got to go get. But he said, go into the streets. He actually said, go into the alley. Like, like, like forget the highway. Go, go the back alleys now. And go to the countryside. We checked the city. Now go out to the country. He said, tell everybody. Tell lame folks, sick folks, outcast folks, poor people. Uh, the outcast. I want everybody to know they are invited to the banquet. The master said, because I want my house to be filled. I want every single person, no matter where they come from, no matter if they're from the city or the country, no matter what their class, their wealth, whatever status they are, he said, invite them. I just want them to be hungry. I just want them to be thirsty. I don't care what shape they're in. I don't care where they came from. Let whosoever will, let him come and drink from the water at the master's table. He said, fill my house. I want to fill God's house. I, I'm sure at some point the servants felt rejected. 
I said, we, Master, we asked. They said they had laundry to do. We asked. They said they just bought oxen. They were hanging out with the oxen. I don't know. Maybe he thought that neighbor, that friend, that family member, they, they couldn't come. That's okay, he said. Go out and find somebody else. Because there's somebody in your world that is hungry. There's somebody in your life that is thirsty. There's somebody in your life that is waiting on somebody to just tell them there's hope, there's peace, there's love, there's joy, there's healing, there's salvation. And we ought to be looking in our lives and searching for somebody that just is hungry, that just is thirsty, that maybe they're suffering a little bit and you can say, hey, I don't have all the answers, but I know where the answer is. I can't provide it all for you, but the master's table, there's provision and there's not a lot of time left, but there is a seat for you at God's table. There's a seat for you. Once people started arriving, the tables began to fill up. The servant came back and said, said Master, the, the, the banquet's filling up, but there's still some room. And he said, what? The house isn't full? He said, go back out. Go back out again. I'm glad that it's filling up, but go back out again. He said, go to the highways. Go to the byways. And in the King James, he said, compel people to fill the house. And I looked up that word, it means to press, means to push, means to urge, it means to pull. Maybe the reason we don't compel people is because it's been a while since we've really been refreshed by the living water. Maybe the reason we don't compel people is it's been a while since I've had a good bite of that good living bread of life. Because if you really had a good taste of that living bread and you had recently guzzled down that living water and it soothed your thirsty soul and it filled the hunger of your soul, you'd just... Now, don't sit on me. I know, I know it's 9 o'clock and, and I... But I see people's Facebook posts when they eat at a good taco joint. They're real excited. I see people's Facebook posts when they eat at a good pizza place. They're passionate about it because they just got filled up with something real good. And I want to tell you, maybe it's been a while since you really got refreshed by the living water. But if you really get that refreshing of the living water, you can't help it. But you got to tell somebody about how good what you just got in the house of God really was. And it's my job, it's your job to tell somebody, oh, hey, you won't believe what I got in the house of God yesterday. You won't believe what I heard in the house of God yesterday. You won't believe what I received at God's table yesterday. I wonder if God's people would post about what they ate in God's house as much as they ate at the, at the taco joint, taco trucks, what I'm trying to say, or the pizza shop, 
What if we were posting saying, man, I just received something powerful in the house of God. I just received something that soothed my soul, that fed my soul in the house of God. I'm not telling you to pester people. I'm not telling you to be the person that gets on everybody's nerves. I'm not telling you to lose your invitation uh, to the lunch table at work. But there's just an overflow in my life. And somebody say, how was your weekend? You say, oh, we did this and we did that, but it was a great day in the house of God. Oh, how, what, how, how that happened? Well, I'm just telling you what God has done for me. I can't tell it all, but I want, I'm not going to hide my light. I'm not going to shut it down. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I was saved to find people that need saved. I was filled to find somebody that was hungry. My thirst was quenched, so I'd find somebody that was thirsty, and I want to bring them to the master's table. I'll just tell you, great churches are made up of great people. Not great facilities, not great buildings, although I want that, but great churches are made up of great people. And I think there's two things I want to give you before we close out today that I think are important from this parable of Jesus. What I want you to understand, and I think the big takeaway from this parable, is that the master sets the table. He provides for the table. He cooked for the table. He, he put the bread on the table. He put the food on the table. He stocked the table. But there's two people that he needs. First one is he needs bringers. He's saying, go out and look for hungry people. Go out and look for thirsty people. Because I need, I'm over, the, the master is saying, I'm in here prepping the table. I'm in here preparing the room. But I need people that will be bringers. And this, that's what every good church needs is bringers. People that bring people to church. That's the point of this parable, is that people would bring people to Jesus. That people would bring people to fill the master's house. And we need people that will go to the highways. We need people that will tell people they know. We need people that are just bold enough to say, I, that's not what you need. You need Jesus. I seen a t-shirt a while back said, y'all need Jesus. You seen this t-shirt? One person. Okay. It just, I, I think we need people that just, hey, that's great. Yeah, you might need, you know, you might need a raise. Yeah, you might need a new car. Like, I, I get that. You might need to, you might need to, you know, take some cough medicine. Yeah. But what you really need is Jesus. We need people that are bringers, that tell people, you can live your best life living for God. You can live your best life, and it begins in the house of God. We need bringers. I, I love, one of my favorite uh, disciples is Andrew, and I'll tell you why. Andrew uh, was at the, that great uh, day when, when Jesus was breaking the bread and, and multiplying uh, and feeding for 5,000, multiplying the bread and the fish. Andrew is oftentimes overlooked in that story, but the Bible tells us that Andrew brought a boy to Jesus that had the resource that blessed everybody there. The Bible actually tells us that it was Andrew that brought the lad. And that might seem insignificant until it's the lad that gives the resource to Jesus. And Jesus blesses it and it multiplies and it feeds 5,000. Yeah. 
And it might just be a child that your child is connected to in the neighborhood. And you're bringing them to the house of God. Sunday after Sunday. And they're just a snotty-nosed little kid. But Andrew brought a lad that enacted the miracle that we're still talking about 2,000 years later. It's never insignificant when you bring somebody to Jesus. You're changing their life. You're changing their life's trajectory. You're changing their family tree. You're changing their eternal destiny. And you never know what God has put in their life that they're going to give to the Lord. And the whole kingdom is blessed because Andrew just brought a lad. <laughs> it's powerful. The Bible also said that Andrew was a bringer because he met Jesus before his brother did. And you might know that his brother's name was Peter. And Andrew went to Peter and said, hey, I just met this guy named Jesus that you might be interested in. We don't hear a whole lot about Andrew. Peter took the, the spotlight Peter preached on that birthday of the church. Peter was the rock. Peter was given the keys to the kingdom. Peter walked on water with Jesus. Peter was swinging swords when they came to arrest Jesus. But never forget, it was Andrew that brought Peter to Jesus. And we wouldn't have Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost if it wasn't for his brother saying, Hey, I just met somebody that I think you ought to meet. And I'll tell you... God wants bringers in the house of God. It might be a lad. It might just be a fishing buddy. I might be your brother or your sister. But you ought to have that Andrew spirit in you that just says, I'm bringing somebody to Jesus. Andrew was a bringer. You never know what God can do. Don't limit what God can do when you just say, hey, let me show you who this guy is. I see in John chapter 4, there's this woman that... She's coming to this well, and she's, she's drawing water out of the well, and, and Jesus is there, and they have this conversation about drawing water out of the well. And, and Jesus actually says to her, he says, really, if you knew who I was, you would ask for living water. You would ask for everlasting water, because if you ever got this water, you'd never thirst again. And she's trying to process that. She begins to understand he's not talking about physical water. Because physical water, I'm going to thirst again. But there's a thirsting in my soul that he's speaking to. And even though naturally I'm not thirsty because I got a bucket of water, spiritually speaking, there's a lot missing in my life. And so all of a sudden she's tuned in to what Jesus is saying. And he begins to speak to her about what's missing in her life, specifically about some relationships that have been broken and restarted and broken and a new one and broken and a new one. And he begins to say, you've had a lot of swings and misses in your life. In fact, you've had seven husbands and the guy you're with now, you hadn't even married him yet. And she begins to say, there's some things missing in your life. She begins to say, this guy is not just a teacher, but he knows things he shouldn't know about. 
So she begins to talk to him about worship, and she says, how do I worship, and how can I come to the Lord? And Jesus begins to tell her, the time is now. It's right now. Now you can be healed. Now you can have your thirst quenched. Now you can have your hungry soul filled. Now you can have peace and joy. She said, is the time coming? He said, no, the time is now for you to be filled and your thirst to be quenched. And and she begins to understand Jesus is not just, this guy is not just a good teacher, but he's speaking about eternal things. All of a sudden, her life is changed and transformed in that moment as she gets a drink of the living water. And she goes away from that well, back into the town. And this woman that was broken, that was mixed up, that was messed up, that was confused, that was thirsty, is now quenched, is now filled, now has joy, now has peace. And she can't help it. There's an overflow in her life. And the Bible says she went back into the town. And she says, you've got to come to the well and meet this guy, Jesus. He just told me everything about my life. He just solved all of my problems. We see it in John chapter 4, verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Why? Because of this woman's testimony. Verse 40, when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him. He stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. See, I can tell them about the master's table. I can tell them about love, joy, peace, and salvation. But where am I at there? In verse 40, can you go to verse 42, Carlins? They said to the woman... I'm going to give him a second because I messed him up there. Verse 42. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. See, I can tell them about all the good things. But that's why the scripture said, taste and see for yourself. They said, now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. You just got to tell somebody. You just got to bring somebody to the well. You just got to bring somebody to the master. And they'll see for themselves, he's my savior. He was what was missing. He was the water that I needed, the bread that I needed. He saved me out of all the things I was in. So he's commissioned us to be his hands and his feet. He's called us to go out and to fish. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, discipling them, doing all the things that I gave to you. He said, surely I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. And I said this a couple weeks ago, but I want to say it one more time. He's not sending messaging angels to go baptize folks. He's not using angels to go teach and make disciples. He's not using angels to baptize folks or pray with folks in this altar. 
He's not anointed angels to preach the gospel to the poor. He has anointed us to preach the gospel to the poor. He has commissioned us to make disciples. He has commissioned us to baptize in his name. He's commissioned us to be his hands and his feet. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I want you to go into the world. I want you to be my hands and my feet. And this is what I said a couple weeks ago, but I just want to say it one more time. The church is God's plan for salvation in this world. It's plan A, and I'll tell you, there's no plan B. I want to walk in his plan. I want to be bolder. I want to find, if you're not hungry, fine. I'm going to go find somebody that's hungry. If they're not thirsty, fine. I'm going to go find somebody that's thirsty. What is the fear? I believe there's people in our life, if we would just be sensitive, we would find people that are hungry and thirsty for what we have. Second, last thing I want to say is the master does set the table. He provides for the table. He needs bringers, but the second thing is he needs servants. He needs people serving at the table. Matthew 9, 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. He said, pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest to send more laborers into the field. Jesus is telling us something very important here. He's saying, I need you. I need workers. The more workers we have, the more harvest we can bring in. Even if you don't like math too well, it's a pretty simple equation. More workers, more harvest. More laborers, more harvest. More servers, more harvest. He says, the Lord is the Lord of the harvest. He says that, but he's the Lord of the harvest. He's the master of the table. I'm not confused about that. He's the one that, that's changing hearts. He's the one that's saving souls. He's the one doing all that. But he wants us to draw him in. He wants us to serve at the table. It's his table, but I'm serving at the table. And so if I can increase the servers at the table, I can increase the harvest at the table. If I can increase the servers at the table, we got more seats at the table. It's really that simple. And it's a principle all throughout scripture. And it's a hindrance to filling the house if there's not servers at the table. So I want to see him lifted up. Now I just I want to tell the house today, we ought to be sensitive to what God is doing when we're serving at the table. I want to be sensitive to God's presence. I, I want to come to the altar just to see if somebody else might need me to partner with their faith. I, 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 want, to, I want to look around and say, hey, there's nobody on my row worshiping today. I'm going to be the worship leader of my row. I want to look around and say, hey, I've never seen these folks before. I want to go introduce myself to them. I, I, I want to have people that are, are they're, they're participating in the, in, the, in the meal, in the feast, in the dinner, saying, hey, isn't this bread good? I, I'm going to say amen to this bread. I, I've got to worship to this song. I've got to clap to this song. I've got to sing to this song. I've got to raise my hands to this song. I want to notice when somebody's hurting, when somebody's hungry, and say, hey, I'm praying with you. I'm thinking about you. I want to 
partner faith with you because God needs people that are serving at his table. Music come, I got to close today. I thought about when, how many times it said in the Old Testament that God wanted his house to be full. I, I just did a tithing message a few weeks ago, and I, and I used that, that pretty famous verse about tithing in Malachi chapter 3. It said, bring the tithe to the house so that my house will be full. And so he, he says he wants his house to be full. Uh, uh, but there's so many times when the Bible talks about the house being full. Uh, one of my favorite times is when Solomon dedicated the temple. They brought all of these sacrifices, and there was sacrifices upon sacrifices. It was, it was just an incredible worship service. They had been building that temple for 13 years. It had been in the heart of the people for a generation because it was in David's heart. He was zealous to build a temple and a house for God. And you can imagine the anticipation as they get to this moment, as they get to this day when it was all ready. They're having this opening service. They're having this dedication service. The Bible says that as they've been making this sacrifice, as they've been doing these worship sacrifices, as they cranked up the band and as they've been worshiping, that the priests, it said, the priests in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 10, said when the priest withdrew from the holy place, that the cloud of the Lord filled the temple. It said the glory of the Lord filled the temple. You probably know that story. And it said that as that cloud, as that glory began to fill the house, that the priests could no longer stand to minister in the temple because the presence of God was so thick. The glory of God was so thick. The anointing of God was so thick that people just buckled. Their knees got weak. They, they couldn't stand. They just, they, 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 maybe they were running and maybe they were shouting. Maybe they were dancing. But all of a sudden, something shifted in the atmosphere. And now there's a heavy anointing. Now there's a heavy glory that God's people are just driven to their knees. They couldn't even stand to minister in the temple anymore because the glory of God was in the house. And I just wonder, instead of all the things that we do in church sometimes, if we would just focus... Because if you read that 1 Kings chapter 8, it was worship that brought that glory down. It was sacrifice that brought that glory down. It was praise that brought that glory down. And I just wonder if today you could stand all over this house and make that our focus, not only today, but every day, and just say, I'm here to sacrifice I'm here to worship, I'm here to praise, and I want to worship and I want to praise until the glory comes down. I want to worship and I want to praise until the anointing falls. I want to call on Jesus until Jesus fills the room. I want to sacrifice until there's such an anointing and until that grace fills the room, that love fills the room, that joy fills the room. It said it filled the house to where they couldn't do anything else because the glory filled the room. 
I wonder if God's people today would just say, I want to fill this house. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. I wonder if we just lift up Jesus all over this room today. Would you just lift up your hands all over this house and just begin to vocalize it, just begin to speak it, just begin to say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want to praise you until you fill the room. Lord, I want to lift you up until glory fills this house. Lord, I want to sacrifice. I want to lift you up with my voice. I want to lift you up with my praise. I want to lift you up with my worship until glory fills the room. I'm going to open this altar today. I'm going to pray over you. And I'm worship team's going to sing. But I wonder if we could just set an atmosphere of praise and say, Lord, let your glory be in this house. Lord, I pray over your people today. I pray you give us a renewed sense of worship and praise and joy. Lord, just to tell somebody what you've done for me. Lord, you've done so much for me, God. I've come to praise you. I've come to lift you up. I've come to magnify you. I've come to call on your name and just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I praise you in this house today. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.